turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. They took God at his word, they acted upon his promise to part the Red Sea, and the Egyptians took for granted that the sea would remain open to them. They had no promise to go on, but yet they presumed upon God to do this, and they went across and they were destroyed. That wasn't faith, that was presumption. Today on Verse by Verse, we're continuing our close examination of the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981. While he continues in that ministry, his practical explanations of God's Word are now made available to a larger audience by Verse by Verse Ministries and this daily Bible class of the year. Even though our main text is Hebrews 11, we'll be looking at plenty of supporting texts as well. As a matter of fact, our first verses today will begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. So if you would like to follow along in your own Bible, you may want to turn to that passage now so you're ready. Today's class is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's seventh message concerning the great examples of faith to be found in this marvelous chapter. We've learned in our last two classes about Moses that faith sees God's presence, not problems, and that faith relies on God's power, not human solutions. But what if we just rely and see, but never act? Is it really faith if it doesn't make a difference in our choices and actions? James and Paul, among others, would say, no, that's not saving faith. So, after a short review, Pastor Steve will explain how faith acts on God's Word, but it doesn't presume upon it. What an important distinction. Now, here's Pastor Steve with our lesson. See, for a believer to not walk by faith is to take matters into his own hands, to believe that he knows better than God. He really thinks that he knows better than God. And to approach problems uh, with human solutions, that's all part of this, not walking by faith. That's the, that's the serious problem I have with today's uh, human psychology. And Christians are getting into this left and right, and what we call biblical counseling is, is really usually not biblical counseling. I'm all for biblical counseling, but when you call it Christian counseling, and yet it's, it's Freud and his colleagues with a few smatterings of Christian jargon, uh, that is very, very dangerous. And you know what that reminds me of? You'll turn to First, uh, First Corinthians Chapter 1, it's not just psychology that troubles me, it's that believers feel that the Bible doesn't have the answers to their deep questions and problems, and so they have to look at, uh, at human wisdom. And let me show you what God says about human wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The world looks at the message of the gospel and says, what a silly, foolish message. But we know that it is the power of God unto salvation. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. 
Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? After mankind's history of searching and, and philosophizing and being clever and having all kinds of wisdom, God is basically saying, where has it gotten him? No, Nowhere. Verse 21, for since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. If all the world's wisdom couldn't get them to know God, then it's absolutely foolish, he's saying. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. So the Jews are stumbling blocks into Gentiles' foolishness. While the world considers the message of the cross foolish, the real foolishness is worldly wisdom. And so I warn you about that. I warn you about the dangers. And Psalm 1 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in what? You tell me, the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and light, day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. He wants stability. He wants security in your life. Don't go to the world's well for, for the wisdom that they have to offer. They don't have any wisdom to offer. Nothing that's substantial. How about Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, says this, and you can just mark this down. See to it, Paul writes, that no one take you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So don't look to the world for solutions. The Israelites certainly didn't. They didn't look to their own human ingenuity and cleverness and say, you know, we can break out of here if we had a great plan. No, they trusted God. They relied on God's power, even though they didn't know what was going on. And that's the way faith is. So faith sees God's presence, not problems. Secondly, faith relies on God's power and not human solutions. There's a third truth here about faith and wrapped up with God's character. And it's this, faith acts on God's promises, not presumption doesn't assume anything. It acts on the word, God's promises. Verse 29, Hebrews 11. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Now, after the Passover event, Pharaoh finally said, get out of here. Just leave. And Israel, therefore, left Egypt. But then Pharaoh changed his mind. And in his, his change of mind, he gathered his army and they pursued the Israelites. And if you've ever seen the famous movie, The Ten Commandments, you can picture it in your mind. Charlton Heston and everything. Okay? They finally caught up to them. God deliberately said that, that you are to go as another route. Not go the straight route, go another route. Not, not go the, the way, I believe it would be the way of the Philistines just north. They were to take another route, and that was reported to the Egyptians. And what Pharaoh concluded in his mind was that the Israelites were lost in the desert. And they didn't know how to get out. So he said, aha, I'll go and get them. They haven't gone very far. And so God brought the Israelites right to the point of the Red Sea. And Pharaoh got his army together, and he went after them. And they were trapped. 
They were trapped between the Red Sea and Pharaoh. And what took place? It wasn't faith at this point. It was fear. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, It is because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by, and and this is wonderful, just stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again, forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silence. They were afraid. God had a promise for them. And it goes on, verse 15, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? And I take it that he means, Why are you your people crying out to me, tell the sons of Israel to go forward. And as for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. The sons of Israel shall go through the middle of the sea on dry land. And as for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. You say, how could he possibly be honored? First of all, that was a mighty show of God's, of God's magnificent power. But secondly, um, every Jewish person, just about every Jewish person, from that day on to this day, whether they are particularly religious or not, remember every Passover year, this story. God is honored. God is honored. So God had a promise for them, and the people exercised their faith in God's word, and they walked across the parted sea. Verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and he turned the sea into dry land, so the waters were divided, and the sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit, and all of Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. And it came about at the morning watch that the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. And he caused their chariot wheels to swerve and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said, to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them Remain, But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And when Israel saw the uh, great power that the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared 
the Lord and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. And I might add, at least for a short time, I did that. Now, you know why we should not be interested in how God did this miracle? Because we are not balcony people. Balcony people are interested in how this worked. Travelers are interested in the principles of how we can apply these truths to our lives. If you missed our last two classes, you may wonder what Pastor Steve means by balcony people. Well, as Pastor Steve told us a couple of days ago, it's a reference to a description written by J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God. Packer said there are two kinds of people. There are travelers, and then there are those in the balcony who just watch the travelers and try to figure out how everything works. The balcony people rarely get involved because they are too preoccupied with analyzing everything. The travelers, though, don't spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out the truths of God, but instead they simply apply those truths to their lives and experience them, rather than analyzing them. Oh, sure, it would be nice to know how God does the amazing things He does, but it's more than enough just to know that He does do them, and then to decide how we ought to respond to Him. Now, we'll return to our class in just a minute. We would like to welcome those of you who have just joined us and fill you in on what's going on here. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries makes Pastor Steve's messages available by means of this daily broadcast, as well as through our website, versebyverseradio.org. I'll give that web address again at the end of our class and tell you a little more about it then. Now, we have been studying Hebrews 11 for the past month, and there is still a lot to learn. Today is the conclusion of Pastor Steve's seventh message about the heroes of the faith. Let's return to class now to see what useful application we can learn from the parting of the Red Sea. And the contrast here in Hebrews chapter 11 is between the Israelites who acted on faith, on God's promise, and the Egyptians who did not. The Israelites took God at his word, though it must have looked astounding to them. I mean, picture yourself there. God said, walk across. They took God at his word. They acted upon his promise to part the Red Sea. And the Egyptians took for granted that the sea would remain open to them. They had no promise to go on. But yet they presumed upon, upon God to do this. And they went across and they were destroyed. That wasn't faith. That was presumption. And what's the eternal principle here that we can learn from this incident? Faith acts on God's promises. It doesn't make things up in its mind. Faith acts on the word of God. It's, it's not wishful thinking. It's not some type of creative imagination you have and a desire, and so you're going to do it and call it God's will. Or you're going to pray about something and then, ask, uh, then decide what you're going to do and then ask God to bless your plans. Faith is operating and basing what you do on God's word. You may not be facing the Red Sea, and obviously you're not, Red Sea in front of you and an army closing in behind you, but you and I can be overwhelmed with pressures. Pressures of impossible situations that look like they're going to just swallow us up and overwhelm us. Has it ever occurred to you that God has put you in this situation in order to cause you to lean on his word? Has it ever occurred that God has just caused these enormous problems to come your way and he is the author of sending these things or has allowed them, if that makes you feel better. Maybe it's a combination of both. 
Just because he wants you to say, I don't know what I should do, but I'm going to lean on the word of God. I haven't got answers. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but you lean on his word and then you move forward in your Christian life. You act on God's word as you press on and watch him fulfill his word. You see, you don't stop. That's what he told the Israelites. Don't stop. Move ahead. But you move forward and you see the salvation of the Lord. Otherwise, you will be crippled in your Christian life. You will do nothing. You, you take in the word. You see what God wants you to do. And you move forward. For example, if you are financially strapped, you get into the word of God and you see a great principle from, from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that you need will be given to you. And you say, Lord, that's the answer. That's what I need to do. Not worry about my problems. Not, not sit home and try to figure this out. I've got to move ahead by seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. And then as you move ahead, you'll see the salvation of God. Or Lord, I'm so, I'm so upset because loved ones need to be saved. And you turn to the word and you see promises of, of God knowing what's best and, and encouragements to pray for the lost. And you do that and you just move on in your life, and you see what God has to do and what God's going to do. And you move ahead and you see that God gives strength in impossible situations, and you just don't get paralyzed in your Christian life because that's not the way faith is. Faith acts on God's word, not wishful thinking, and then moves forward and sees the salvation of God. With faith, we don't pay attention to impossibilities. We just act on God's word because it is up to him to accomplish the, the impossible. We've seen that before. Our responsibility is just to obey. That's it. We saw that in the life of Abraham. God's responsibility is to fulfill his promises. Someone said this in a poem. Faith, mighty faith, the promise sees and looks to God alone, laughs at impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. Now let's put everything together. Don't close your minds yet. Let's put everything together because we first of all have to realize and remember that this passage of scripture was not written to 20th century Americans. We apply it to us, but it was written primarily to the Hebrews. In fact, it was written to the Hebrews who were going through suffering. Hebrews of the first century. So how, how would this have applied to them? First of all, just as Moses had victory over his fear of Pharaoh by seeing him who is unseen, so these Hebrews could have victory over those who were persecuting them, over those who were pressuring them by recognizing God's presence amongst them. Where was God? He was with them, and they needed to see him. In fact, when we come out of Hebrews chapter 11, you go right to Hebrews 12 where it says, run the race set before us, fixing your gaze and your eyes upon Jesus. That's what they needed to do, and that's what we need to do. You know, um, great runners, of which I am not in that category, uh, always look ahead. They always look ahead. That's why I finished the New York Marathon in over four hours, because I didn't look ahead. I looked to the sides and took in all the ethnic groups and all the people who wanted to high-five us and all the bands playing, and, and I purposely did that because time was not the issue in that race. Survival was. <laughs> and so I took that in. But, but the great runners, when I got home, someone had uh, uh, videotaped the New York Marathon for me. Of course, I could not see what was happening at the front because I was many miles in the back. But as I, as I watched ABC's um, uh, 
ABC and, and their pictures and the video of what they did at the beginning of, of the race and the front leaders, one of the commentators said as it came down to, I think it was a fellow from Mexico and Willie Matoli from South Africa, and there was a question in the last few miles who was going to win. He said, notice the Mexican's eyes, they're wandering. That's a sure sign that he's tired. He's not going to win. And sure enough, as you, as you looked at, at him, his eyes were darting around a little bit. But the runner from South Africa was looking straight ahead, straight ahead. Now, that's a great principle here. Obviously, the writer understands about running. Fixing your gaze on Jesus Christ. That's what he says to the Hebrews, and that's what he says to us. You don't, you don't look around, you know, because you're going to be distracted. You're going to be distracted. You look straight ahead, and you keep your eyes on the Lord, not on your problems. Secondly, what I think this would have said to the Hebrews of the first century, is just as Moses and the Israelites experienced God's physical deliverance by the blood of, of Passover lambs, so these Hebrews experienced spiritual salvation through the blood of Christ. And I don't think they, they would have missed that. I think they would have understood that that's what the writer is implying. You see, what he was saying to them, and many of the people in Hebrews were, were thinking of abandoning the faith. Some of them were really not true believers. And what the writer is saying is uh, you need to rely on God's power of salvation through Christ. Don't retreat back into Judaism of a man, uh, of a, a man and, and works effort to get you to heaven. Just as your ancestors were physically delivered by the blood, so you need to be spiritually delivered by the blood. And we need to keep that in mind, too. If you don't know Jesus Christ, the way of salvation is through God's provision. You rely on what God has provided, not your own works effort. Thirdly, I think that what this would have said to the Hebrews is this. Just as the children of Israel were told by God to go forward across the Red Sea, so these Hebrews needed to press forward. That's what the writer keeps saying to him. If you've never come to Christ, come forward. And he doesn't mean a church altar. He means come to Christ. You've gotten to this point in your, in your spiritual odyssey. Now come all the way. Come all the way. You understand messianic prophecy? Come to Jesus Christ. Don't go back. Don't retreat back. Press on. So what do we say about this? Our faith is not an intellectual creed. We have a doctrinal statement, and, and we don't excuse our mind and put it on hold. But our faith is not an intellectual creed, like balcony people. But it's a vital experience of, uh, with the living God, based on who he is as revealed in his word. We see him. We rely upon him. We act on his word. That's the way faith is. And with that, we conclude our class and Pastor Steve's three-part message on the faith of Moses. It's part of our continuing series of lessons about the heroes of the faith as we find them in Hebrews chapter 11. We have creeds and doctrinal statements, and they serve important purposes, but they are no replacement for a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not interested in your religion. He's interested in you. What you believe is vitally important. But the heart of the matter is in whom do you believe? And do you really believe, or is it just an intellectual assent? If you will place your trust for salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, He will show Himself more than worthy of your trust. As we learn to lean on Him more and more, He transforms our whole outlook on life. If you're in the balcony, come on down. Get out of there and get involved in God's kingdom. Give Him the opportunity to show Himself strong on your behalf. 
Thank you for tuning in today for another verse-by-verse Bible class of the air. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. Verse-by-verse ministries makes his messages available through these daily broadcasts. Since the time slots for radio are not long enough to fit in an entire message, we break Pastor Steve's messages into radio-sized pieces, usually three per message. If you would like to hear this entire message at one time without announcements, you can order either a cassette tape or an audio CD by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. If you would like to hear today's class again, it's available on our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the program. Previous programs can be found on our archives page. If you want to make sure that you never miss a class, you can sign up for our free podcasting service. We also offer a complimentary newsletter. That web address again, versebyverseradio.org. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own churches. We hope to have you here for our next Verse by Verse class. We are here to give you strength between Sundays.